The radio program you are now listening to is called Free Talk Live. You are now authorized to call in at 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You may call in and talk about whatever you wish. If you're, what you would like to talk about is somehow anti-freedom, we will pound your butt into, with logic until you give up or the break comes. Whichever comes first. My name is Mark. And Dale. What do you think about that? New intro? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds it's good. It's very big brothery. <laughs> big brother is watching us here in the studio with the cam. So, Well, you know, you'd think that uh, folks would get kind of used to that uh, authoritarian top-down uh, model. That's what, the, that's what you're getting out of the government all the, all the time. So... I, we were, you know, before the show, we were talking about the the amazing phenomenon that appears to be Ron Paul, and I mean, even to the point that now Rush Limbaugh, uh, you know, ha- has to even talk about him, which <laughs> is amazing yeah. to me. Um, so first they ignore you. That, that, that's right. <laughs> so um, let's uh, let's jump into that Ron Paul article you have. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, this is actually this is an AP. Article. It's uh, it's right now on Yahoo News. It says once a fringe candidate, Paul shaping 2012 race. So that's quite dichotomous, going from a fringe candidate to shaping the race. Yeah, that's uh, what they call framing the debate. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I th- I think so. I would so, really like Ron Paul to be framing the debate. I would like <laughs> I well, would like the he'd, him to be the the yardstick by which the other candidates are measured by. Sure. You know, I've I've even conceded myself. You know, I'm very apolitical and and I don't have any motivation to contribute anything toward a political sort of activism but i have even myself had to concede that that he is using this platform to get a liberty message out there that's reaching a lot of people and uh even i can't um deny some benefit from that so it says uh, ron paul once seen as a fringe candidate and a nuisance to the establishment is shaping the 2012 republican primary by giving voice to the party's libertarian wing and reflecting frustration with United States international entanglements. It's funny that that's a wing. It's described as a wing of the Republican Party instead of like what it was all about. Is that, that, I don't know that that's. I don't know that one can really make that claim, Dale. I, I, I was sold on Republican Party as as being the Liberty Party for a long. You know, I was sold that way too. But I don't think that that means that uh, that people actually. Uh, you know, that that's actually true. Well, it isn't, and that's why I'm not a Republican anymore. <laughs> I was for a while. I don't know that ever was uh, the the truth about the party. Mm. I think yeah. it's just the, the lie that they tell. Um, tell their potential uh you know voters when they're not in power yeah it's always been a case of taking up the rhetoric and trying to exploit that uh just with just with the rhetoric not with any actual action so the texas congressman placed second in a key early test vote saturday in ames coming within 152 votes of winning the first significant balloting of the republican nominating contest I'm really excited about the uh, the, the second place uh, showing, the very close to first place showing um, that Ron Paul had against Michelle Bachman. I think it couldn't be placed better. If he would have won, they would have just discounted the whole thing and said, ah, it doesn't matter. Even though this is the most right. important straw poll, they would say that it had been finagled and and yep. by his by his hacker people or whatever that they whatever. <laughs> Uh, and and didn't they promptly? But they promptly ignored him, though, right? Yeah, but I think uh, one of one of the uh, the news item uh, the news groups here. What is it? It's, uh, the Meet the Press crowd says that um, Bachman first and 
Palinti third. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then Palinti drops out. That's it's I I yeah, that's great. It's hilarious. So, <laughs> Hold on just a second. We've got uh, some callers on the line, so let's uh, let's go straight to the callers. Uh Bill in Virginia. Bill, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you well, doing? Excellent. How what would you like to talk about, sir? Well, first of all, you talk about Ron Paul. I just wanted to say the straw poll is basically a fundraiser for Republican Iowa Republican Party. And the, the Ron Paul campaign bought out 3,000 tickets. So don't take that victory. You know, don't, don't pat yourself on the back. Well, just a second, anyway. Bill, before you go on. And what you say, I believe, is true. Um, Michelle Bachman also bought 6,000 tickets. Isn't that right? Well, I'm just saying that y'all shouldn't be patting yourself on the back too much. Well, anyway, is it, but isn't um, that true? I, you know, I honestly don't really know. Okay, Michelle Bach- I, I'm telling you, Michelle Bachman bought 6,000 tickets, and she had Randy she Travis. She personally bought them? What's that? She personally bought the tickets. You know her campaign did. Is is this your debating um, technique? No, no. Okay. Um, now she also had brought Randy Travis in, the uh, greatest country singer of our lifetimes, in, and told people that they had to vote in order to go see him in concert. Uh, there's actually a picture online of the flyers that yep. were out that it's said real you have flyer. to come register an actual and picture vote of for me there. before you can go to get the free entertainment. Also, the Ames, Iowa um, straw poll has been a pretty good indicator historically of the performance of candidates up to this point. Admittedly, Ron Paul has won a lot of straw polls that did. Didn't, in 2007 and 2008, that did not indicate his his level of success. But the Ames Iowa straw poll really did indicate how he would perform in New Hampshire. So there's something to be said about this particular win. Okay, well that's not what I called in about. I okay. called in and I'm kind of sad that your other cookhead Ian isn't there. Well, Ian's I, in jail. I, you know. We are short yeah, one well. kookhead and down to just two right now. Ian's okay. in jail for civil disobedience. This is day six uh, of his 90 day sentence. Well, you know, I, I kind of like what you guys say. I've been listening to you for a while. Okay. But I just think you got it wrong in some places, especially in. It's too bad he's not here. But I was listening to the radio today, and uh, they were reading a story about how the Pakistanis invited the Chinese to come look at samples of the downed helicopter they, they had uh, captured. And I got to this point that the Chinese are going to attack us, Mark, and you know that. The Chinese. How in the hell are we going to defend ourselves when we have this little anarchist, voluntarist, you know, play word games, I don't care, whatever you want to call it, voluntary, whatever. Uh, What are we going to do when they attack us? Well, you know, what I have never proposed, Bill, is that we are going to move from today, uh, what we have, uh, this monolithic, huge, top-down government, the largest government the world has ever seen, into a, a, a paradise where people aren't using aggressive force against each other. I would, however, Bill, say that um, I think that the best use of the United States military is to pick it up and move it out of the 130-plus UN member states that it's in and move it back into the borders of the United States. Do you think that that would cause China to want to attack us? I think they already do. There's nothing we can do about it. Why is it that China... Why is it... back would do nothing because they're already pissed off. They already want to attack us. Why, what are they pissed now. off about? Well, probably the fact that you are right. You know, we are in so many countries... That's, that's done. They're just going to buy us. They don't need to attack us. They're just going to buy us. I mean, they're going to take us over economically right. before they attack. They don't right. need to attack the, the us. Military, that would not even be the best strategy. The army that is going to take over the United States on behalf of the, Chi- of the Chinese government already exists, and it fully occupies Washington, yeah, yeah, yeah. D.C. You don't need bullets to take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I mean, these politicians are firmly in the pockets of the Chinese, and you're talking about, let's grow more military. All that does is feed into the, the 
whole problem. No, Walt- Warren, I never said let's go to the military, Mark. I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. Okay, what are you saying? I'm saying what's going to happen when we dissolve the bands of government like Ian so uh, fervently wants. And like I say, it's too bad. He's not here. I know Dale, you know, is very similarly aligned. I've heard, oh, yeah, well, uh, what are they going to do? Go door to door and like, collect people's money? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. They don't have to go door to door to collect people's money. Yeah, Mark, you know that. What are you talking about? Go to door. Who they they are How going? They, to, I think he's continuing a discussion he had some other time that we're not privy to. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to clue me in here, Bill. Okay, Mark. I've listened to you for a long time. I got I that. Know, I'm clear. Good. Good. I'm glad you are. Um, I, I know one of your main defenses is well. How are they going to collect the money from us? How are we going to be enslaved by them? They'll have to go door to door. We don't have a government. They can't just go to Washington, take over the buildings, and say it's theirs. I right? see. They are the Chinese. How are they, not? How are they going to collect money as necessarily? But how are they going to get people to? How are they going to subjugate people that they conquer? Um, how are you going to subjugate a nation that has a very weak central government or no central government? How would you conquer them? Um, and well, how do you how, how do you conquer? How do gangs conquer blocks of streets? They threaten people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Chinese can do the same. Uh, that much is true. Did you uh, did you hear how I explained uh, away this uh, this with uh, you know talking about the t- tax brackets and the costs and stuff like that? Um, that that currently that in the United States about five percent of people pay for defense. No, I haven't heard. I'll you touch say on that. it and, um, when we uh, when we get back. That's what I'll, uh, I'll I'll touch on. Thanks for the call, Bill. Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero free. Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Tollhouse Morsels, helping you create special moments and memories your family will cherish forever. Visit us at tollhouse.com. You may bake for birthdays and holidays, but why stop there? Sweeten up the rest of the year by designating monthly dessert days. Treat your family to one of their favorites or surprise them with something new. Either way, you'll create a tradition everyone will love. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Live. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. Take some time. Go over to freetalklive.com. We have a website there that is completely user interactive. You can put content up there, whether it's news stories, blog posts, whatever it is that you want to put up there and push you can go there and do it. People will vote up your story and vote down, and you can do the same with their stories. It is highly interactive, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's freetalklive.com. Okay, don't let these tough financial times stress you out about the rising cost of your family's health care. Here's Mike Buck from New Zealand's Nature Bee with some important facts and a great deal. Hello there, Free Talk Live. Here's the deal. Look, Nature Bee plant pollen collected by our world-famous honeybees is the richest, most wholesome food found anywhere. Look at this. Vitamins A, B1, 2, 6, 12, 3D, 6, D, E, and K. In other words, all of them. 28 minerals, including your calcium, copper, iron, and zinc, and the antioxidants who chase the nasty free radicals right out of your system. And you will be amazed how Nature Bee will go to work, 
restoring that lost energy, strengthening up your immune system, giving you clearer skin, silkier hair, stronger nails, a better night's sleep, all from the full nutrition provided by the Health Wonder from Down Under. You know, it's, it seems to, to stand to reason that if you're getting all the nutri- nutrients that you need and the, the micronutrients and, uh, you know, just filling up those little nutrient baskets in your, in your body all the time, that you're going to live longer and feel better when you do. But how about a special deal, Mike? Yeah, you know, it's really important right now. Look at this. A huge six-month supply of Nature Bee is still just ninety nine ninety five plus delivery. We throw you three more months for free and no worries and no risk because Nature Bee has our 100% unconditional satisfaction guarantee. So you call toll-free to New Zealand and let's prove it to you. one 834 8355 That's one 866 834-8355, or if you are with Free Talk Live online, Nature Bee is online, too, at naturebee.com. Okay, now you've heard it. Once you start taking Nature Bee, just like me, you will feel so good. So come on and order your Nature Bee now, toll-free, 866-834-8355, 866-834-8355, or online at naturebee.com. You know, um, there before the uh, the break, we had uh, a caller who called in, and he was concerned about, well, sort of what would happen in a world where the United States military was funded voluntarily. I guess a military was fol- funded voluntarily, I, or you know, there wouldn't be one. Was his his concern? Now, you know, I, I believe that humans should interact in voluntary fashions, which means that I believe that taxation is immoral and that it is theft. I also believe that I live in the real world and that that's not going to happen overnight. No. So I I think that we need to take steps to get there. And the first step is get our troops out of the 130 nations that they're in, bring them Uh, back to the United States. I'd be a fan of that. (laughs) And I didn't get his stand on that. I think that was it was Bill was his name. I didn't get his stand on doing that because he seemed so all fired concerned that the Chinese were going to come in. I don't think he necessarily had a beef with that. I think he was just talking about the the extreme example of not supporting a military. And I've had the same reaction from a friend of mine. I've had the reaction myself. You know, everyone with their own guns are not going to be able to fight off, you know, a foreign military with advanced weapons and everything i'm like you know that's i'm not trying to debate that honestly i i I understand i you know i i feel like the military as it is right now protects our it doesn't protect me it protects our government and the status quo and uh you know, I, I don't, and, and we're not going to suddenly be without them i don't know what's going to i think there does need to you know it's it, that's just i don't i don't try to dis i don't try to disassemble or somehow overthrow the government i have no thoughts like that I just think that I just try to consistently think of all aggression and I try to think of it in a consistent manner. And I look at all aggression as crime. I look at all, uh, you know, any any actions taken against innocent people, uh, either either fraud or violence as crime, whether it's being committed by a, a monopoly government or by a guy, a thug who's breaking into my house at night. It's all the same to me, and I just I believe in opposing crime consistently to have less crime in the world. That's all there is to it. It's other than that, I don't I don't try to get any more complicated than that. Now I wrote something up, um, and this has been some uh, some time ago, and it was intended to sort of address this issue. Now this is somewhere in the theoretical future. This isn't today, but this deals with a lot of facts that are today. Today in the United States, uh, 141 million tax returns were filed in 2009. Now, the best I can tell that between 60 and 66 percent of Americans, um, of the 307 million Americans, actually uh, filed 
tax returns. Um, so there's uh, 55.5 million American couples. That leads to, um, if you multiply that times two, that's 110 million married people, and that's about 36% of the population. So if you take 141 million, uh, multiply that times uh, you know the amount of married people, you get uh, about 166 million tax returns were filed. So that's um, 47% of filers. This is people that actually filed income tax returns. Only about half. <laughs> actually have no li- tax liability. So you mm-hmm. really only have... Some of them might be getting the earned income tax credit or Earned income tax credit. So now, now get this. This is, of all these numbers that I've laid down, this is the important one. 28.7%. So Let's call it, let's round up 29% of Americans. You can even call it 30 if it makes you feel better. 30% of Americans actually pay one penny in income tax. At, le- at least one penny. The, um, so obviously the marketplace, I think most people 70% would agree. is not paying one penny. That's correct. <laughs> um, that, now, and some of those, I mean, this is, this is something that the federal government doesn't want you to know because – well, that's what politicians do. That's what governments do. They obscure things. They lie. They, they, they do not lead people down the road to truth. So they don't want you to know that most people, that many, many adults and that most people are not paying. Um, actually, most adults and most people are not paying income tax in the United States at all. Now, we know that uh, the marketplace is generally um, you know, more efficient than sort of government. I mean, pretty much everybody say the marketplace is more efficient than government. I've heard numbers between you know, uh, twice as efficient and seven times as uh, as efficient. If you assume that military spending includes sort of uh, things that are R&D based, then I'm just going to use the number four times as efficient. The government that uh, the marketplace is four times as efficient. It's a nice average. It's just just a number. (laughs) Um, And I suspect it's low. Military spending as a percentage of the budget is 20 percent. And that's all the whole budget, not the discretionary budget of which military is 50 percent. We're talking Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, add it all in. That means that at this point, assuming that the military is more than um, a thousand military bases in 141 uh, countries is the right size. And I do not believe that it is the right size. I believe you can bring it home, spend a lot less on it, that means that only 2% of people actually pay, excuse me, 5.6%, I'm um, looking at the wrong thing here, 5.6% of Americans actually pay for the military. That's the money going in co- income tax that actually pays for the military. If just protecting the borders cost half as much as six wars that we're currently in and all this other stuff, and the marketplace is four times as efficient, then only 0.8% of the population actually has to pay for the military. All, so all the paranoid if you people, can get, get 1% of the population <laughs> that believes that protecting the, 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 the country is worth it, then you would have the military of the size that we need. Yeah. It's, it seems doable it's, to it's me. It's very doable. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9.
Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 855-450-3733. Go check out archives.freetalklive.com. We have there for you archives going back all the way to 2006. Come on, no other radio show does that for you. Nobody offers you free radio programs, especially going back for five, six years. It's archives.freetalklive.com. That's a lot of audio content for you to go through. And Free Talk Live, well, they bring it to you. Folks like LearnLiberty.org bring it to you. Um, There is a video over at LearnLiberty.org slash FTL. It's called The Power of Property Rights. And in it, they answer the questions, why are property rights important? Even for those who own the least, Professor Tom W. Bell of Chapman University School of Law explains that property rights allow people to live together in peace, prosperity, and freedom. They prevent conflicts over scarce resources, encourage productive labor, and discourage waste. Find out why property rights are so important when you go see these videos. These videos uh, offer foundational information on the ideas of liberty and they're an easy way that you can uh, you know, send, send out on your Facebook and inform other people. These videos are so important uh, for people, for our listeners to be listening to. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. When you're there, go check out the Liberty Academy. It's the link on the right-hand side. It is an online course for people who want free online continuing education in economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. Learnliberty.org slash FTL. We were just um, talking – well, we've, we've been uh, taking people's calls, and uh, folks wanted to talk about the military stuff and that kind of thing. Also uh, – but you can switch the topic up anytime you want. Let's talk to Joe in New York. Joe? Yes, hey, thanks for taking my call. I'm a podcast listener, and okay. um, I really like your show. I do have a couple concerns, though, but first I want to ask you a question. Have you ever read a book by B.F. Skinner called Walden 2? No. no. No, well, I suggest reading it because it, the idea is um, it kind of, it's kind of similar to what the Free State Project. I, I think if uh, you got your twenty thousand movers, what the Free State Project would eventually turn into. Okay. And I do, and I do have some concerns um, as far as the tactics. Um, I love how you guys, you know, I really love how you and Ian get into little arguments. That's pretty cool. Um, and I do love the ideas, and uh, you know, it seems like very intellect conversation, but. It's very, you know, very simple, common sense. You should understand it. I mean, apparently, people don't. What What are your concerns about the Free State Project? Because I don't, I don't know. I, having not read Walden, uh, I guess the conversation stops there. Unless you explain it to me, right? Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to take too much time, but I appreciate it. Um, basically, what I feel is, eventually, if you created some sort of a free mining, you know, um, volunteerism society, which is in the book. There's there's always some sort of um, a living martyr or, or some sort of person who was heroified kind of, and always has a leader some sort of way. Am I am I afraid? Am I uh, fear of the free state project is sometimes the issues that are um, what you call civil disobedience. Like for example, standing in front of a police car when you're drinking beer. That just seems very. I understand. You know, I believe drinking beer and all smoking weed, you know, and all that, but... um, Ian didn't stand in front of a police car while drinking beer, just to be clear. Oh, right, right, I understand. No, I like Ian. Well, what I'm saying is, um, 
trying to be uh, articulate and coherent here. Um, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I that's understand. That's what we've always done, though. We've always done that. You know, we've gone to parks, mixed Gatorade and vodka. This seems like a very joyful attempt of civil, civil disobedience. It doesn't but really seem I, like it. I think what you're talking about, and, and you can you can let me know if I'm on target here or not, is what I would call, what I've been calling in a, uh, in what I hope is a constructive feedback kind of way, uh, knee-jerk civil disobedience. Instead of really well thought out, planned out civil disobedience, this just sort of, it's almost driven, it seems like, by a kind of magical thinking that if we just act free and live free and be, then, then, then that will result in freedom. And, uh, I do have issues with that. Uh, the, you know, there's only so much you can do about it. I, I, you know, the idea, it, the idea is hopefully to offer something some some better plans and some better ideas and hopefully that those will people will glom on to those and do that but i I see little pieces of that all over i'm from um central new york but what i'm I'm saying i I see ian as he could be a powerful force towards liberty and inspiration towards one of the age group i'm 35 but i can see younger people getting interested but what i see happen is these young people could have more knee-jerk reactions or impulse civil disobedience, which is cool, but if people end up actually do that, they, they could harm themselves for future... Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this one, Joe. Um, for one, most of the civil disobedience hasn't occurred here in Keene in the last uh, year or so. If you don't count not standing in courtrooms and not taking off hats in courtrooms, basically no civil disobedience has occurred. Very little civil disobedience has occurred in Keene outside of uh, you know court buildings. So um, I think that uh, what what I think was going on here was a form of civil disobedience that was, uh, you know, what, what was going on was people were uh, saying, well, let's do anything in order to be successful, which I think is probably a better reaction to what most people do uh, for liberty, which is let's do nothing and hope right. to be successful. That's a good point. <laughs> so doing anything is probably better than doing nothing because doing anything may result in other people that want to do something. And I think that you know what Dale is saying is, is that focused civil disobedience in the right ways is probably an extraordinarily effective way of seeing change. But unfocused civil disobedience is chaotic and it causes problems. Well, and and uh, you know, I but I do it, think it gets people to move, which I think is probably the biggest. Factor. It does. I think it has done that, and I and you got to give it credit for that. It has inspired people. Yeah. There's there are people being inspired right now because Ian is in jail. That's all a result of this particular act that he had decided to do for moral reasons. Um, the, 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 without a doubt, the, uh, if they would, if people would plan out ahead of time what they're planning to do and yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you think it would be more productive as the civil disobedience would happen naturally? Like for, for example, if I'm walking down the street or let's just say I'm in my yard and I'm smoking a joint or something, maybe the neighbor calls the police and the police come. That would be like a natural occurrence made to be like... That's what happened that's, here. That's, that's knee-jerk. That's actually what happened in this oh, circumstance. Know, that's knee-jerk civil disobedience. That's what I'm talking about. Right. I know, but the, the lady was in the public park having a beer, which is cool. Everybody's done that. I've, I've done that in high school, sneaking it over by the... The boating dock. Well, wait, wait a second, uh, Joe. Let's not talk about drinking beer in public parks like this is an unheard of thing. Right. This goes on in public parks across America. It just depends on the municipality. The fact is that every town that surrounds Keene has public parks, and every town that surrounds Keene, as far as I know, does not have an ordinance about imbibing beer in a public place. 
So this is actually, I mean, who doesn't go to the beach and drink beer? I grew up drinking beer in public parks. It's only an issue because they're making it an issue. But I think all that's beside the point. Then the fact that it was knee-jerk, that it wasn't planned out ahead of time, that people didn't know what they expected to get from it. They didn't really have a strategy. They didn't have an idea of of cost-benefit analysis, thinking, okay, what what are the potential bad things that can happen? What are the penalties I could face if if, if something happens? Uh, They haven't... they didn't plan on ahead of time how they would react and 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 deal with the situation and and I think that that I think is the biggest problem less than what it was about or anything like that although I think it can certainly part of the strategy can be you know how powerful is this going to affect people if you're for instance doing civil disobedience like they are in Florida where they're feeding the homeless I think that's much more powerful yeah that's because you can really show the state as being evil for the things that they're doing right I agree with the Florida it's very very good people down there. Um, but most village parks, like downtowns and village parks, beer, beer, alcohol is not allowed, as far as my understanding. But I just, you know, I, I like your four one one service, but I just, it just seems like that's such a trivial way to use that because it seems like it's almost. And I'm not judging. Like I said, I love your show. I, I'm a freedom, a freedom loving guy, but. It almost seems like a provocative act. I think there's a there's certainly a level of pro, uh, provocation provocation that goes on in the uh, the keen civil disobedience or has. But like I I've said, Joe, things have changed. It's been a year since civil disobedience has occurred outside of a court building, pretty much in Keen. Thanks for the call. Eight five five four five zero free. It's free talk live. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3, that's 3733 for those of you who don't have little letters above your numbers. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's uh, day six of... uh the free Ian campaign here I on Free Talk we Live. Should, I wish you'd use that as a filter. If you can't figure out how to dial FR free free F R E E, then uh, you know maybe you shouldn't be calling it free. No, I'm kidding. It could be. I'm kidding. You know, I did have a phone one time that made it difficult if uh, yeah. if, if if you didn't give the numbers. I mean, I'd have to go someplace, look it up, and that kind of thing. But I'll tell you, having a, a telephone number that's dedicated to the show, um, eight, like eight five five four five zero free, is a lot better than having one that's just a bunch of uh, you know random numbers. A lot of people will remember that and just be able to call in, you know, because it's it is a nice mnemonic. Yep, indeed, and it fits the show for sure. So uh, let's let's go. I mean, this is the show about your calls. Well, oh, okay, you got another call. Yep. We've got. I actually, I've got, I've got several of them. But first, I want to tell everybody about bitcoins. You know, the U.S. dollar is going is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know that a new currency will at some point take over. And wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor of that currency? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Bitcoins have been, well, they've been trending upward over time. Um, they've had some bumps and bruises, but that doesn't mean they're not uh, poised to go upward next month. We use coins.org. Go find out more about Bitcoins. 
Let's go to Tyler in Ohio. Whoops, I think I just dropped Tyler. <laughs> call back, Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> I'm getting used to this new uh, phone technology. I beg your pardon. Please call back. Uh, I'm really sorry. Let's go to Abel in New Hampshire. Abel? Howdy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to talk about the actual cost of the votes. Cost that, of which votes? Uh, that- that Ron Paul paid and that Michelle Bachman paid. Okay, so Ron Paul, um, the the a caller called in. His name was Bill and claimed that Ron Paul b- bought three thousand tickets at the Ames, um, Iowa straw poll. Michelle Bachman actually bought six thousand. So I don't know uh, the fact that he came in one hundred and fifty eight, fifty two votes behind her looks pretty good to me. Well, actually, uh, according to the data I have here, he bought four thousand. Okay, and and. and but he didn't give them away. He sold them for $10. So each of those votes only cost him $20. Okay. But he actually got, instead of 4000 he got 4671 So some people paid for their own way in or got, maybe they were actually Michelle Bachman. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of funny. And, well, she and, obviously and, didn't and, get all of her money's worth, did she? She, paid, she bought 6000 and didn't get that many, right? Right, right. Her uh, her number was even uh, with Randy Travis. Right. Oh yeah. Right. So yeah. Ron Paul bought Mar- about four thousand tickets, sold them at ten dollars a piece, and got forty eight hundred votes. Michelle Bachman bought six thousand tickets, gave them away with Randy Tra- with a Randy with Travis, Randy Travis. Con- who Marcus Schurz. Marcus Schurz me. This is the second coming of Jesus too. So. I mean, he's a big deal in the country music. He's a big deal as far as singers in America. Um, so she gives yep. them away with a Randy Travis concert and gets forty nine hundred votes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and. You know, the fact is, is that the actual cost per vote for Ron Paul ends up as a result being $17 and some change. And and because they, they surmised somebody, you know, the rumor was that they, that she paid a million dollars to get Randy Travis there. Sounds right. And, <laughs> uh, and you, di- you divide that up and it comes out to $7,000, 236 per each per vote. vote. Ouch, Abel! Thanks Holy. for thanks for calling us, calling in, and let us know these numbers. I mean, it really is stunning. Uh, the The fact is that Ron Paul, I, I'm I'm so glad that he came in a few votes behind Michelle Bachman. That's why this whole thing wasn't dismissed because you could just hear the caller wanting to dismiss Ron Paul's second uh, place showing when you know it was. Don't uh, pat yourselves on the back, guys. Yeah, don't pat. Your... I was out there busting my behind right, to get him some votes. Wait, no, I wasn't. As if no. I did anything. Like but, I did not do anything. I did. I had was not involved with it. I was not taking credit for. It. Let's get Tyler in Ohio, whom I uh, dropped off the air. Tyler, you have my apologies. Hello? Hello. Go Hello. ahead. You are on the air. How's it going? It, it's just fine. I'm sorry for dropping you. Please go. You're fine. Okay, I'm a first-time caller, actually a first-time listener on the road. Oh, you're stunned. And uh, with okay. hearing, you, hearing you taking calls, and I thought it was absolutely awesome and uh, couldn't wait to call in. And, and then I hung up on you. Yeah. <laughs> First time caller got disconnected. Get out of here. That's great. <laughs> Go ahead, okay, Tyler, with um, your point. Uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, while I ultimately disagree with the overall point of the military, I do want to say it is incredibly refreshing to finally hear somebody on radio or of any level of discussion uh, finally bringing in uh, – the discussion of lowering military spending and defense cuts, because, I mean, that part I definitely uh, agree with uh, fully. Uh, 
And I think what really is the compounding problem here is with the Pentagon, and you have things like Obama going and asking them for advice and things of that nature, and no matter what he asks or what situation he finds himself in, they're always going to come back with a response of, yes, we should go ahead and do it. Or uh, because you know, an, buying more military things a, like that. An organization job, based you know I mean? an organization based around war is going to uh, oh, advocate absolutely. for weapons and uses of weapons well, of war. Ab- absolutely, and when and when they're t- they have ties to those defense contractors, it's no wonder that uh, we're in the shape we're in, and having it where up until. Very recently, we were spending more than the entire world combined. That's been so just that, about, that and point, it's still it's still pretty close. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's it, it. So on that point, I absolutely, absolutely agree. So what now, do you disagree with? I'm I'm, I'm a little to confused. The, to the point, my I want to repeat uh, the argument you were making previously, and I want to make sure I have it right so that I don't uh, mix up your words or anything. Were you advocating like? more of an isolationist view of the U.S. military, and uh, you were saying uh, stay within our own borders and protecting our own uh, United States as uh, as opposed to uh, other countries around the world. Is that... Do I have that right? Well, um, I guess, I, for one, I take umbrage with the term isolationist. I don't think that that's proper. Isolationists generally believe that the United States, or that a country, should keep its military to itself and keep everything else to itself. Manufacturing mm-hmm. tariffs should be high, and that manufacturing should be internal, right. and that all that, you know, we are us and they are them. Yeah, and I don't believe that at all. I do believe, however, that most other countries in the world operate without having their militaries in everybody else's nation. So, um, the idea that isolationist is somehow, if you're going to use that term, I would say that that's not. I would, you know, I would, I would call that so, normal yeah, behavior. I'll, that's that's definitely fair. So, like, uh, okay, I guess I do mean, yeah, just a military stand, but I, I see what you mean for that. So, I, I guess my question is, and they were, uh, I've been hearing this a lot recently with, I believe, Palin and perhaps Bachman were accusing Obama of, of uh, being sort of anti-exceptionalism. Uh, for whatever reason, I guess my question is: is with with the United States' uh, policy of of United States exceptionalism, is do you take do you take disagreement with that? Insofar as with that policy, we feel it is our it is our moral duty as the United States, not that other countries do it, but that we ourselves go out to the other countries and we find ourselves helping them and ranging out with our military, things like that. I know other countries don't do it, but we feel that way. Do you you take a disagreement with that? I guess I'm going to have to ask, uh, you know, what you're saying entirely. Do you, do I believe the United States is special? I, well, that's, that's really the policy that we're in. United States exceptionalism. I guess it's, I guess I believe the United States is a little special, but I don't believe that that means that um, a special, uh, special country can tell other countries. All countries are special, right? Um, so, uh, I, you know, or people are special. So why would one country or person be able to tell another Mark, country? When or everybody person? is special. Nobody right, is special. Right. <laughs> we're, we're all unique snowflakes, Tyler. Um, I, but I, <laughs> I, I don't. No, I think it's actually a very dangerous precedent to go out and police the right. world. Very, the su- very dangerous. The suggested, I guess the idea, to me, when I hear United States exceptionalism, that means that mm-hmm. we're smarter than all those towel head wearing sand, you know, whatever's over there, and we can tell them how to live because we know what's up. And I find okay. that that is a very dangerous foreign policy, if that's what you're asking me. I think, I, and I, that's definitely a fair point. And, I, and again, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the, the wars we're in and the 
how frustrating it is to hear uh, Obama talk about, uh, you know, pulling out of Iraq and Afghanistan and things of that nature, and then we, you know, we see where, where we stand today uh, several years later. But I guess my question, so do you see any scenario that you would find no problem with the United States military to branching out? So maybe perhaps not... In a scenario like Iraq or Afghanistan, Tyler, hold the hold the line. I want to get into this. I think that you've. I think there's a question in here that I really want to answer. Um, so we're going to hold you through the break, which is not something that happens every day. So uh, just just hold the line. It's eight five five four five zero free. That's eight five five four five zero free. Free talk live. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Call in. We'll talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. In the last hour, we were talking to Tyler about uh, military spending and that kind of thing. He had a, had a question for us, and I wanted to uh, to get him back on the air. Tyler, are you there? Now, um, it's you were you were asking some question. You may be leading me down the primrose path, and that's fine. I love primroses, but um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm wondering, is it more important what I think or what you think? Uh, I'm, I still think the discussion is still uh, fruitful and worth having. Okay, but, so, uh, yeah. So, so ask your um, question. Okay, I guess my question was, can you with can you see any scenario where it might be where it might be possible or beneficial if for us, them, or the global military, anything you want to say, uh, for us to have an approach, uh, to have an aggressive outward approach outside of our own country. With the military? Uh, yes. Yes, I can definitely see advantages to that. I, if, if I were a rich guy who built weapons that went kaboom, um, then I would see that there would be a distinct advantage. So to, to, to military-industrial complex, there's a large advantage to people who make their livings um, you know, telling other people what to do, like politicians. There's a distinct advantage because they get the payoffs from the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. But to anyone else, I, I don't really see how anyone else really benefits. Um, you know, For instance, think- we were told that we were going to get lower gas prices if we attacked Iraq. Right. Yeah. That didn't happen. Well, and and it's it's just disturbing to me. It's not it's not their right to make that decision on behalf of everybody whose money they're stealing to pay for it. Right. It would be beneficial that, for if me it weren't to rob, being paid for in a collective Dale. manner. You know, if 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 they if they argue the case, like listen, America, if we go do this, we will all be better off. And then and they can convince us of that. Then like, okay, start sending us some checks voluntarily to pay for this endeavor. Okay, if it's if it's that great, sell us on it. But don't steal our money to pay for it. You don't have a right to make that decision. It might still be immoral, though. It, it would be beneficial to you, Tyler, to go next door to your neighbor's house, uh, beat them up, mm-hmm. and take all their money. That doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. So, so if if they were to say, and let's say right now, let's say for very hypothetical, let's say North Korea, for instance, uh, invades the DMZ down to South Korea, which is, has been a a bit of a trouble in the last year, but let's say it's a full-on thing. Is there any merit in Obama or any president, for that matter, telling us, uh, you know, this? you may not feel it is a 
beneficial from a person-to-person level, but this is something that uh, South Korea needs, and we are there to uh, back them up. Is there any is there any merit in that? I guess is my question. I, I guess what I would first ask Obama to do, if I had his ear. Um, such that it is. And I would ask him uh, to, well, if it's so important that you best Kim Jong-il in this situation, why not challenge him to a duel with, uh, with, with long knives and small shields, um, say, in, uh, you know, right there in, in, a, in a stadium in Seoul? And we can see who the better man is, because I don't see any reason that one American should die uh, over a dispute that's being had in well, South Korea. I mean, if they want to, mm-hmm. if some Americans like, I'm dying to get over there and just exactly. you know, shake it go. Out There you people. go. If, 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 he can sell us on it and get volunteers together. Say, look, we really we really ought to go do something about this. And this don't you done. agree with me? Uh, get some volunteers that will that will, you know, either from the military itself, uh, get people who will fund it. You know the actual trip and the and the salaries of the people while they're over there and and if if it's that good if it's that important that we be there he shouldn't have any trouble selling people on paying for it and volunteering for it right but instead he should just but, but as far as doing it on behalf of everybody and and stealing money from them to pay for it and forcing uh, military people who have no who don't have the right to leave the military they can't quit uh, making them go over there uh, all that stuff no I absolutely uh, don't think that you can possibly justify an action like that. Okay, um, but but yeah, as far as far as the thing of uh, defense spending, now I I don't necessarily agree with uh, lowering the cuts as may as much as you, but it, the point still stands. I think uh, the way the way this system works and who who is in control uh, in this case, obviously the defense contractors and the the uh, Pentagon. It's it's just incredibly frustrating, and I I almost wish that Obama in many cases would just learn to. Uh, make his own uh decisions on that consulting well, with them but this is <laughs> this is the the game of politics right like right. so the, the I'm I'm afraid that the democrats lie to the the voters and they present themselves as the peace party they're not I mean, they never have been, and they're never going to be. Republicans present themselves as the party of free markets and liberty. They're not, and they're never going to be. They and all are the party of big – they're the war party. They're the party of big government, warfare, welfare, and that's what they do. They grow the government every opportunity that they get to grow the government. So fine-tuning their war machine is what they want you to argue about. I don't want them to have it. Because I know what they're right. going to do with it. These problems that we have across the globe are largely caused by the problems that um, they, they intervened in the globe in the first place. Uh, you know, So many things uh, that we dealt with in the last century were, were created in World War I. Um, I mean, they do this. Their policies create this. Their intervention in the Middle East. And it's not we. It's them. Because I've got nothing to do with it. Their policies of intervention in the Middle East created 9-11. End of you know for me that's the end of the story, and I, I I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of paying for it. I'm sick of reaping the consequences. Yep. I'm sick of the higher gas prices. I want these people to leave me alone. I swear to God, we could do better without them. Right. Uh, one last thing, real quick, uh, not to change the subject too much, and I'm sorry. It is I'm, free talk uh, live. Repeat if you talk about. But uh, with Palenti out, uh, real quick, and as they move into New Hampshire, where do you see the? Uh, Full Republican nominations going at this point. I think New Hampshire is, uh, you know, the, the, the people tend to like to vote for the the the, the Congress critter that's from the closest area to them. Uh, the the the, the po- Romney Romney's is probably going to do quite well in New Hampshire, but I think Ron Paul's going to do well too. Mm-hmm. 
That's just a guess. I'm not at all inclined to speculate because I don't follow politics and I don't try to make political predictions and stuff. Right. Uh, I, I feel like it's not going to matter no matter who gets elected. I really don't. <laughs> I don't think it's going to make any big difference in the big scheme of things. Well, or at least, gonna, at least it's not going to at least it's not going to make a Biden. difference that I can predict and therefore put any any credence into it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it might, yeah. Uh, you know, some, you know, uh, some some advanced supercomputer somewhere with enough data might figure out that X candidate is going to cause things to turn out better for us overall than this other candidate. But I don't feel like uh, any of us is in is uh, any of us mere mortals is in a position to figure that out. Speculation time. I, I think I, I definitely feel, though, on your point of uh, Ron Paul doing a little bit better, considering the area that it's in, you know, in uh, northeast United States, those aren't exactly uh, Bachman or necessarily any of the other more evangelical candidates' uh, biggest uh, hotspots, if not for religion, but... Uh, you know, being a social conservative, you know, things yeah. like that. The but social conservatives, the social conservative vote is definitely split right now. There's, uh, there's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, Romney's trying to play to all those those strengths at the same time, but he's he's trying to win the presidency when one of the biggest issues out there is Obamacare. And frankly, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's a it's a huge weakness for him to try to circumvent that. I I don't know. I think it's an extraordinarily weak Republican field. The front runner for quite quite some time was considered polenti he just dropped out from a uh, poor sh- third sh- uh, third place uh, showing so it's it's really it's really difficult to say at this point i, th- I think it's anybody's race yeah, i i think the one thing that really helps ron paul recently is perry running because it's like you yep. said with social conservatives being so split uh between perry and bachman now and even with uh polenti out i think it's uh it's it, it really helps them. It splits the vote of Republicans that love getting lied to. Um, I really appreciate the call, <laughs> Tyler. Keep keep listening. <laughs> you know, I th- this is how I feel. I when I I was Dale, you and I both Republicans from way back. I mean, you've uh, we've we've shed well, those. Yeah, not from way back, but fairly way back. Okay. Uh, um, you know, you ran for office under I did. the Republican ticket. I I did not. I don't think I've ever done that. Um, but. You know, I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm so sick of these uh, politicians lying. After George Bush, I voted for, you know, I I rooted for him. It said, want smaller government? He grew the government like 80% more than any other Even in socialist ways. He didn't even, not just in right-wing ways, but in left-wing ways, too. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Talk Live, 855 free That's the SACL CAI toll-free number, 855 free 
Go to freetalklive.com. Check out the listening options. We have live streams. Uh, you can listen on all the radio stations we have, have out there. Uh, satellite options uh, with webcam listen lines you can actually we have telephone numbers you can listen when you can't get it when there's no other way to listen to free talk live you can even call a telephone number it's listen.freetalklive.com and it just shows that free talk live we're looking out for you trying to provide you with all kinds of different ways to listen ruger's new sr40c is the compact version of the recoil reducing striker fired sr40 pistol one of the slimmest and most ergonomic full-sized 40 caliber pistols on the market today the SR40C is based on the same high-performance glass-filled nylon frame as those used on so many great Ruger pistols, offering the same features, including a slim frame, short trigger reach, reversible backstrap, and ambidextrous controls. The SR40C features a throw-hardened stainless steel slide or an alloy steel slide with a Nitrodox Pro Black finish. You can see it at Ruger.com or purchase it at your local gun dealer. Again, it's Ruger.com. And this is the show about your calls. So let's go ahead and take Kevin in New York. Kevin? Kevin, can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay. What, do, what would you like to talk about? Well, uh, the first thing I wanted to kind of uh, uh, talk about is this uh, unfortunate uh, matter with the uh, ongoing war scenario uh, that's been going on. Um, Since 1941? Uh, no, uh, actually, uh, <laughs> well, uh, when it comes to it, um, you know, the, the circumstances that happened during uh, uh, WW2 um, and what's happening uh, now in regards to what happened with 9-11 are very, very similar uh, because uh, the thing that finally got us into it is the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Okay. And, uh, and the circumstances just uh, basically uh, uh, resulted in the hornet's nest just going nuts. Which and, hornet's nest are you referring to? Right. Now, the thing Which hornet's is, nest? Um, you know, as far as us being attacked, the U.S. being attacked, the okay. U.S. in representation is the hornet's nest. Okay. All right. Now, the thing that you mentioned earlier about America being so special. Now, World War I was kind of a minor, uh, I guess you could say, equivalent, but World War II made the difference because it, it proved at that time that there was a major world threat. And it wasn't just, uh, I guess you would say, uh, put into fruition by Hitler, but also, unfortunately, the mistakes that were done in regards to Japanese actions and what they were well, doing. Uh, there's a, there's now, a couple of historical facts I'd like to bring up here that I, I'm, I'm not sure that I I'm, I'm not sure that you have a possession of. But um, for one, World War One was a pretty major uh, out you know a pretty major upgrade in the United States military. Blackjack uh, Pershing would not engage the enemy um, on the battlefield until he had a million men in his military in Europe. So the United States really pushed the um, – its weight changed the entire tide of that war where it would have been just two sides that kind of slogged it out until they kind of ended up uh, you know, coming together with some kind of peace treaty. It gave the Allies – a real advantage over the central powers, and then they were able to get this uh, this uh, uh, peace treaty, the Treaty of Versailles, that was so unfair. As a result, yeah. 
Germany was thrown into decades of poverty and really, you know, the German people, as you can imagine, really thought that stunk. And so they were angry. Also, Germany, as I understand, threatened uh, Japan and, uh, you know, saying that basically you're going to have to be on our side. Otherwise, we're going to, you know, we're going to go after you. So and um Roosevelt, uh, you know, was involved in a plot. You can look up the McCullough memo, and this is a real memo. No one disputes that about, you know, different, you know, come up with ways to get us into war with with Japan. And so, I mean, there was a there was a plot to be in war with Japan. It's not like the United States didn't have. That's the equivalent of uh, I mean, if you really look into it, the the bombing of Pearl Harbor, it's the equivalent of me going up to uh, to Mark and just start shoving him lightly at first. And then when he's not responding to that, shove him a little harder until he finally punches me and say, why did you do that? You aggressed against me. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's sort of the equivalent. The, the thing is, it's like, for example, until the event of uh, the sinking of the Lusitania, you know, that whole matter with World War One was like the U.S. just sat back to see what would happen. But then after the Lusitania incident occurred, that's when eventually the U.S. made the move to go in. Right. Do you understand that 90% of the uh, weapons that were sent from the United States were sent to the Allied side and not to the Central Powers side during World War I? Can you imagine uh, what the Central Powers thought of that and whose t- side they thought the United States was really on? Um, uh, that's that's an interesting uh, uh, reflection. I. You know, it, there were a couple of other things. Uh, the fact is that Central Powers did uh, coax Mexico. They were attempting to coax Mexico to invade. I don't think Mexico was going to do any such thing. That would have been ludicrous. Um, yeah. And and there were a couple of bombings, and I believe it was both in New, New Jersey. Uh, they blew up some stuff. I think one was a an oil treatment plant or something like that, making gasoline or, or something. And they never were able to pin it on the Germans, but it uh, certainly whipped up some of the anti-German fervor. In fact, uh, uh, from some of the historic records that I uh, had gone, gone across when I found out about uh, that particular bombing, and uh, uh, that uh, was con- was believed to be connected with a uh, infiltration team from Germany. Yep, that it's believed that. Pull that off, but that kind of got, uh, uh, I guess you could say, put under the rug because things just got to be a little too hectic. But anyway, getting back to what it is that. Um, I'm uh, uh, stressing at this point, um, when um, before President Obama eventually won the elections, I ended up uh, uh, running into one of my friends who uh, stressed to me that she decided to vote for him and that he was going to stop the war, uh, you know, straight right out. I kind of turned to her and I said, listen, I know this is going to sound strange, but it's going to turn out to be a lot more complex than what he was talking about at the time, and that if she would have listened to him very carefully, that there's a good chance he's going to end up establishing a neutral standing because there are going to be things he's going to find out, uh, you know, because being that he's running for office, he's going to get a lot of stuff, uh, whether it be hearsay or not, from the intelligence community that's going to kind of turn him in the same direction that the Bush administration was planning to do which eventually, as everyone knows, has happened. Now, it's, it's down to a point where, without a benefit of a doubt, it's clear that there is a plan to scale back, but there's also a risk that these people that are doing this stuff out there, which, remember, they're a risk to us. Well, they're, they're, 
the politicians in Washington D.C. are a risk to me. I mean, you can have a, whatever risk you want, Kevin. Um, but that's that's how I feel about it. Thanks. Give us a call in the future. Um, we're going to have to move on to other calls. Eight five five four five zero free. That's eight five five four five zero free. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous SuperTuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your SuperTuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 855-450-FREE. Go check out uh, shop.freetalklive.com. It is a, a way for you to do shopping online. You can, uh, you know, such merchants as Amazon and Newegg, shop.freetalklive.com. You'll, it's the same shopping you'd do otherwise. You can use these same uh, same same great retailers, but a little bit of uh, a little bit of it goes back to Free Talk Live. It's a great way to help out Free Talk Live. It's shop.freetalklive.com. Speaking of SACL CAI, SACL CAI is a company that handles uh, well. They handles handle collections, early out uh, billing. They purchase charged off receivables. They do account receivables for your company if. Well, if accounts receivable has become a real problem in your company, SACL CAI can handle it. They treat your customers with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. And it's so important to treat them, uh, treat your customers with respect. That's what they, that's what their undergirding philosophy is at SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right hand side of the page. Freetalklive.com. Let's go to Harley in Minnesota. Harley. Hey, Mark. Hey, Dale. How's it going? Hi. Excellent. What's up? Uh, Mark, you've done a great job last week. I'm Working doing my best here. <laughs> Day six of uh, the big Ian lockup. Right. All right. Well, um, I don't really have a question. I just want to use your microphone to pick a bone with some of the uh, internal naysayers of the Free State Project. Um, okay. A lot of people kind of saying they're concerned about direction. Uh, and long-term plan with the Free State Project. I think, of course, FSP.org is focusing on getting the 20,000 movers. As they should. Yep. And uh, I think the activists kind of need to realize that they have to build micro-movements, if you will. Um, I think that'll happen a lot more once they have more movers to back them. So moving is important. And once you get a bunch of movers, you get a bunch of activism, a bunch of civil disobedience, you're going to be able to reach out to locals. Um, an example is the 420 rallies. You're going to open doors for the 420 friendly crowd, and each act of civil disobedience is going to, you know, kind of peak interest for some. It's going to push others away, of course. But I think the the strongest thing the Free State Project has is the fact that there's no central authority. And I think uh, people really need to focus on picking up and making their own movements inside the movement. 
Yeah, the idea that you're going to get together at this point is a thousand people up thereabouts that have uh, picked up and moved for the Free State Project. It hasn't quite hit the thousand number, but we're getting close. Uh, that have uh, said that they've picked up and moved. There's certainly some people that have picked up and moved and haven't reported their move, and some people who have picked up and moved and haven't even signed up for the Free State Project. But uh, among the idea that you're going to get a thousand libertarians all to agree that this is the one way that we're going to go about getting more liberty in our lifetimes, it's clearly not going to happen. So that whatever infighting might exist over um, you know, civil disobedience versus political action and that kind of thing. I think that it should be kept to, to a minimum if we, if we can uh, avoid it at all. I think that it would be better if there were certain types of civil disobedience that weren't done. I think that there have been bad civil disobedience that, that has been done along the way. I also think it would be better if those that are sort of, you know, uh, anti-government would uh, go ahead and vote for a few free state project candidates. But this is just my idea, and I know that not everybody's going to agree with it. No, of course not. No one agrees with Mark. (laughs) Mark's the heel on the show. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Harley. You can give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-FREE. I start it. I started to to say earlier about the about the civil disobedience and all the all the you know the complaints about how it's done and things like that, and I feel like a lot of the knee when I was talking about knee jerk civil disobedience, which where it doesn't feel like it's thought out, it's just an impulsive thing that's done. I feel like some of that emerged out of uh, a period of time when there was a lot of magical thinking going on about you know you had stuff like the secret and uh, the uh, the law of attraction. And uh, which I'm a fan of in basic principle, but when it carries it, when it carries out to a point of like magical thinking where like if you live your life a certain way, you will attract a certain thing and then stuff is just going to happen. The universe is going to answer your call. I think when it I think I I sometimes feel like the impulsive knee jerk uh, sorts of civil disobedience sort of were driven by that or emerged out of that kind of mode of thought. Okay, speculation. All right. Yeah, it is speculation. But, you know, I, I mean, I, that's when it kind of started, it seemed like to me, when that talk was getting really geared up. I I think that, um, you know, I, there, there are certain types of civil disobedience that's worked here in New Hampshire and certain types that haven't. I wish I, I really wish that they would have uh, stood firmer on, you know, issues of filming in government buildings. Yeah, um, I agree. And, you know. The, the 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 420 things i wasn't a big fan early on i can i can tell you that but they seem to be pretty successful what this I, is is uh, the 420 events are yeah. uh you know people would uh, meet in the park and uh, you know they just grew into the point that there were hundreds of people there and they would smoke marijuana openly at 420 in the afternoon i mean Cops knew this. They weren't coming in there. It was basically a DMZ zone, and this was happening in parks across New Hampshire. Uh, it, amazing things happened as far as the 420 uh, rallies went. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't – I think that there's times and places for it. Yeah. I, but uh, I was I'm, impressed with what, what occurred in some I'm kind ways. of the inverse of you. I was a fan of it early on, and it just after a while when it felt like nothing – it didn't feel like anything new was coming out of it, and it's you know it, I, at some point I kind of felt like well do some you know your activism is to party you know do yep. something more than that right but well, I really I, didn't mind I, it at I, my first. biggest problem was turning the 420 uh, rallies into the nightcap rallies too yeah like okay now <laughs> you can nightcap. smoke and drink in the daytime and smoke and drink at night and smoke and drink and smoke and drink you know what what is that doing I I, I felt like 
you know they 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 made a stand and they did some um some amazing stuff but yeah. but then it was just partying yeah then, then it just became my activism is is to party i'm going to fall over now that's and, that's why i felt like early on i was pretty impressed especially when i saw the hordes of people going to the to the police station and then they smoked yeah. up inside the police station happened and nothing happened and cops, i was like yeah. the cops tried to do something about it early on they arrested a few people took them to the police station the activists went to the police station and smoked up in the lobby and i i think that that really threw the gauntlet down and i really believe mm-hmm. that that was what the problem was with the civil disobedience that came afterwards because the cops were so angry that they couldn't do anything about the activists doing that that they took it out on them in other ways mm. but we were talking about the, uh, the the Ron Paul thing and the the Ames uh, the, the Ames Iowa straw poll and the outcome there. And Dale, I wanted to pick up on that story um, if you okay. get that uh, pulled up. Yeah, in fact, I think I can probably even uh, you know remember where I was on it. <laughs> if not, I've got <laughs> Spent a all this to... time. So uh, so yeah, so Rep- uh, Rep- Representative Michelle Bachman of Minnesota won the non-binding Iowa straw poll, but Paul's organizational strength. And a retold focus on social issues set him up to be a serious player in the campaign. Um, yeah, because he you did know, make a point of, tar- of sort of pointing out his pro-life position. Uh, he says, I believe in a very limited role for government. But the prime reason that government exists in a free society is to protect liberty, but also to protect life. And I mean all life. He told a raucous crowd on Saturday. Yep. Ron Paul is certainly pro-life. I want to point out something about the the, the uh, Ames straw poll that – you know that people may not get ron paul won a lot of straw polls in 2007 a lot of straw polls and online in real life especially online ones but one that he (laughs) didn't win was the ames iowa straw poll and it has been a very good indicator of who the nominee was going to be um sort of uh, you know, as as time went by and in a lot of ways um now you know many people will point out that in 2007 it did not indicate McCain and that much is true but look who was in the top Romney Huckabee um you know Sam Brown back in Tancredo Ron Paul came in fifth but at nine percent he was at nine percent in in New Hampshire he came in in the primary at eight percent I believe yeah so it's it pretty was close. really a pretty good indicator of where Ron Paul came in do you remember how well it indicated everybody else uh, during the 2007, it, mm-hmm. it, it predicted George Bush in um, 1999. Remember, it's only a Republican one. It predicted Bob Dole, uh, Pat Roberts. It predicted uh, George W. Bush in, in 87. Um, he was actually came in third. So it is a pretty good indicator. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line, 855-450-FREE. It's Mark with you. And Dale. And, uh, you know, as as folks may have realized, our main host, Ian, is is out 
By out, I mean in jail. It's been six days now. He's uh, serving a 90-day sentence for standing in front of a cop car uh, because he felt that they were arresting a woman unjustly. Well, they were, but uh, yeah. That, that's, uh, you know, I, I agree. Opinion, I'll just say that I agree with him that they were arresting her unjustly. Yes. I may not agree with the, <laughs> with uh, the uh, steps he took, but, right. um, you know, as the case may be. <laughs> not saying, yeah. Okay. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will already save about $120 a month, so you're already, just by switching to e-cigarettes, you'll start feeling better, being richer, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL, and you'll get a free starter kit. And since the uh, the cost of those cardamizers is uh, seventy dollars or sixty nine ninety nine or something like that, um, the, f- the shipping will be free because all orders over sixty dollars um, are free shipping from vaporsmiths.com. So go over there, get your free starter kit, vaporsmiths.com. It's eight five five two get vapor vaporsmiths.com eight five five two get vapor. And this is one of the best made. Uh, vaporizers on the market you can be rest assured that you'll you'll get a good quality product for your 69 dollars in in cartomizers it's 855 to get vapor we've been talking about the results of the ames iowa straw poll and sort of uh, the ron paul campaign the presidential campaign in general and uh dale you you had an article you were reading here did you uh was there a little more on this article yeah there's more uh he, he you know he, this is from the ap yeah he he did he did focus a lot on on his pro life position. I think in that area of the country, it Certainly made sense. Makes sense. Uh, later Saturday, he won four thousand six hundred seventy one votes, roughly twenty eight percent of the votes from party activists who flocked to a college campus for the day long political carnival. It says Paul's narrow second place finish pushed former Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty down to third, leading Pawlenty sorry yeah, Pawlenty on Sunday to abandon his effort to challenge. President Barack Obama next November. Now, let me make this uh, clear. And by the way, Plenty has now dropped out. So um, <laughs> what, yeah, what that, the yeah. results are essentially is that uh, Bachman, uh, Bachman bought, the, uh, bought it, the, the whole poll by you know, buying 6,000 votes and, or 6,000 tickets, uh, telling people that they had to vote in order to get into her. And uh, Randy Travis. Randy the Travis. The second concert. coming of Jesus. As I understand, the Ron Paul campaign bought some too, but they, did, they then turned around and sold them um, at, a, at a discount. So and got more votes than they actually bought yeah. tickets for. Yeah, they bought. Where she got far less fewer votes than, than she, she actually tickets. bought. Oh, excuse me, far fewer but votes. That uh, that puts uh, Rick Santorum number four in the third place since Palinti's not running anymore. So Rick Santorum coming in with you know nine per eight ten percent of the vote. Rick Santorum, you know this guy, he can't beat Michelle Bachman. He is Michelle Bachman in a suit, essentially. <laughs> I mean, he's there's there's little, and not and not not and not female. And so. she <laughs> and she is actually more principled. In the fiscal conservative realm than he is. I mean, you and know, I bet if you if you Google her name, hideous things wouldn't come up too. So. Right. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think Santorum can win at all. Herman Cain. A lot of people are supporting this guy. I think that there's I think there's some good things to be said about him. I, I'll say more good things about Cain than I will about any of the other uh, folks running. He, he supports the fair tax, which I believe is a superior taxing system to what we have today. I don't support taxes. I think taxes are theft, and the calling something fair that is theft doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but um, I, I, I get I hear some, you. the I, ideas I hear, I behind the, the fair from. tax. Um, also, I, there's, a, there's a lot of misleading information about it, too, that makes it sound better than it 
probably really is. Uh, you know, I'll admit that I'd love to see Herman Cain run because I'd love to see two black guys uh, vying for the presidency just to uh, for whatever bigots might exist out there. Would have <laughs> Can to you imagine that. the you know, what, where are you going to vote for now? Having a <laughs> that would be kind of fun. He has a wonderful voice, um, you know, and he has the, the if people look for these things, you know, he has that sort of presidential sound and, and look thing um, to him. But I, I tend to, you know, the, the president sounds and looks the way however the president sounds and looks. I don't think there's this presidential look to somebody um, really so much. But, you know, whatever. Rick Perry's coming in. Mitt Romney. These two guys are just political creatures. And I can't see how anybody will trust these guys to do anything. Fortunately, Gingrich's uh, campaign has already imploded and he's pretty much done. And that mm. puts you in fewer than 1% on everybody else below that. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So um, here's a, a little piece of an article that I thought was interesting. The mainstream media and the GOP itself seems to be ignoring that the Iowa straw poll showed for the first time in its poll's history, a whopping 56% of voters chose chose budget hawks. By that, they mean Ron Paul um, and uh, Michelle Bachman, and I'm not sure, I guess uh, McCain, McCain, he's the throwing in here anyway, with a proven record of voting no on more borrowing. The cut, cap, and balance baloney was uh, pushed by the Republicans in name only. I guess he's actually just counting, excuse me, um, Ron Paul and Michelle Bachman in that 56%. So the two winners, the, the far and away winners, are what they call budget, what he's calling budget hawks, people that say no to more spending. And I think that that, I think that the American people are trending towards this direction, that you need to, you know, not spend as much money in Washington. Uh, Paul and uh, Bachman were among a handful that resisted Iowa voters in a state that is heavily subsidized and dependent on federal largesse, as as any other state um, seemed to appreciate the need for Washington to spend less, borrow less, promise less, and receive less. Media analysts are not talking about the fact that Ron Paul and Bachman are popular because they're seen seen also as calmly uncompromising. You know, they're they're not this bombastic thing where they jump in, um, you know, on the, these debates. People, Ron Paul will say what he thinks about foreign policy and uh, Rick Santorum gets all upset. What? You can't say that. That's terrible. Or, um, you know, McCain or uh, Giuliani. You're an awful American. You know, jumping. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. He just defends his position calmly. And it. I, I think people are beginning to understand six wars. And, and what's the what, what are the yeah. American people getting out of it? Yeah, I. I, I guess so. Um, it's hard to say because we're looking at it. I see I see people supporting things that don't make sense to me all the time, and maybe they're just they just there's certain things they want to hear, and politicians know that and tell them what they want to hear, and they like to be. But deluded. I think the message might be changing changing what people want to hear more. I just mm. I, I just tend to find that more people are saying, you know what, we don't have any money. You can't fight wars for fun if you don't have any money, and maybe that maybe that position will will get some legs. I don't know. Hmm. Well, there's everyone has their solution to that, which is which is this is the way I look at it. You have Democrats and Republicans, and this two party system is kind of convenient for for perpetuating people's delusions in this way. The Republicans, you know, both sides think that if their side could just get in control, if they could, if they could get enough control, they would be able to fix all the problems. And whenever it doesn't work out that way, they can always blame the other side. The but this scapegoat. has happened. This is the really great thing about this. Mm-hmm. This has happened in the last decade. Both parties have been in complete control. 
They have held majorities they, in the have House. Have you not heard all the excuses that they I've held, heard all the excuses. All the excuses they still made is to blame excuses, the other party for some not. Some of those excuses will not work on some of the people. And, yeah. you, and, and with the, the system the way it is, about, you know, 30 to 40 percent of the population is always going to vote Democrat or always going to vote Republican. It's that you know 20 or 30 that's in the middle that really makes the decisions and mm-hmm. these are the of the ones that actually vote so you only have to convince that 20 or 30 in yeah. the middle that wow you know things are pretty messed up and i think that you know i, I think it's possible that's all i'm saying <laughs> okay so is there anything more to this article yeah it goes on some more um that's uh so so they're talking about how he has uh he he Sought the GOP nomination before while talking about economic policy, liberty, and the Federal Reserve. Since then, the Tea Party has risen and seized on those issues. In some regard, Paul is one of the movement's godfathers. I think most people. I mean, it's hard. It would be hard to argue that Ron Paul was, uh, you know, a seminal actor in the Tea Party movement. Now, I'm not saying that he's in, uh, you know, that that it, all everybody in the Tea Party believes what Ron Paul does because I, I know I know that it's already true. been. I feel like it's already been usurped. I mean, the, the, a lot of conservatives glommed onto the Tea Party and basically just. It's not what but it a lot of conservatives out. don't feel that the conservatives that have represented them in Washington have been conservative in the right ways. And so they're still they're fiscal conservatives and social conservatives, and they feel that um, politicians have lied to them about the about both of these things. And they have. So they're looking for the people, the true conservatives. And <laughs> if, if a true conservative can be fiscally conservative without uh, being too much of his uh, social conservative bullcrap – which essentially is Ron Paul, I, you know, I might be able to get behind that that person. But, you know, most of them, they scare me. They scare me. Yeah, I, I hear you. Bachman and, and San, Santorum both, I think, are, are Frightening. the scary thing you're talking about. 855-450-FREE. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Mark with you. And Dale. And uh, we've been, you know, t- taking your calls all evening long, talking about the uh, the Iowa straw poll results, talking about uh, civil disobedience, military spending. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let's go straight into the calls, Dale. Okay. This is Sean in Florida. Sean? How you gentlemen doing? Everything's great. What would you like to talk about? Um, yeah, I heard you make it, made a comment earlier about the uh, fair tax. And as I heard that, I was thinking, well, you know, I mean, what's, what's so great about the fair tax compared to the Federal Reserve? I mean, isn't the Federal Reserve, 
I know the fair tax is the flat tax. But the I fair mean, tax is, isn't entirely a flat tax. The fair tax is yeah, more of a VAT. It's a value-added tax uh, that is a, a user-end paid tax on consumption as opposed to the flat tax, which is a an income-based tax. I've seen some very good critiques of it, too. And, and the way it's sold to people to make it sound better than it really is, there's uh, some really good critiques of it. And some of that disturbs me a little bit, just in the sense that people are being told one thing and then the reality of it is probably different than what they're expecting. Yeah, I would just say that the big thing that fascinates me about that is that the Federal Reserve is something that's absolutely inescapable, the inflation tax. Nobody can escape that that's using dollars. Pretty close, yeah. So, I mean, if there was ever a perfect tax, you know, for a statist, I mean, <laughs> it's literally like the money in your pocket dropping in value. And you, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's sneaking it right out of your pocket. Doesn't matter if you've got cash stashed away, they're still taking it. <laughs> the one thing I'd like to point out that it's not the Federal Reserve's inflation of the currency by that I mean printing more money that is uh, really immoral here. What's immoral is the United States federal government's uh, enforcement of over enforcement of counterfeit laws in the form of not allowing other people to start competing currencies and legal tender laws which force people to take dollars as payment. I don't think that's a big problem. I think most people take dollars as payment. I certainly will. But I, I, you know what's really a problem is is that you can't compete. Like the Liberty dollar for instance uh, was a, you know, they, they created a, a a currency called the Liberty dollar. Don't think the dollar is a term that's just used by the United States government either. There are Canadian dollars and Australian dollars. So, um, you know, just using this term dollar doesn't mean that, uh, that, that it's counterfeit. But they were, they, they convicted these people of counterfeiting when their coins looked, their coins and bills looked nothing like U.S. federal currency. The Liberty Dollar was an atrocity. But I, I, I uh, let's look at the upside of the Liberty Dollar case. Okay. Which is which also runs parallel with the upside of tax protesters and sovereigns and every other free man movement for the past thirty years. By the federal government, uh, essentially, the federal government was put into a box to make its arguments, and it made its arguments on paper. So now, uh, counterfeiting the dollar has been defined, and that's the box that they're in. So now if people want to make coinage in triangles and not use the symbols of the United States intellectual property, then they're outside of the box. Makes a certain amount and of this sense. Is the evolution of, this is the evolution of, you know, the beauty of legal arguments. Agreed, but I will, I will point out that uh, as legal arguments age, they get less valid. Uh, for instance, there's all kinds of uh, arguments to be had from you know the Supreme Court that one could argue that you're, we're, we have freedoms in this area and freedoms in that area that are just not respected at all anymore. I, well, I, I don't disagree with that, but uh, I, you know, on the, on the other side of the coin, the more and more there's there is a steady evolution of you know as government brings new arguments and new areas forth, and they are forced to define things. Uh, you know, that definition is going to have a lifespan with it. I agree. I, I, I w I'm with you. If somebody would pop in and do something like the Liberty Dollar right now, um, and there is the uh -huh. American Currency Exchange or something like that is doing something like that. Um, but if, if they'd pop in and do something just like the Liberty Dollar now, and if they made, you know, I think they can, you know, those one ounce bars of 
of silver. They they essentially look like a a little credit card of silver. <laughs> if sure. if they used those instead of uh, round coins or coin-shaped yeah. things, uh, I guess they call them rounds. If they used those, uh, then you know that would that would certainly throw off. At that point, it'd be very difficult for the federal government to make the argument that they're trying to represent themselves as uh, currency. I think you're right about that. Just don't use any alleged United States intellectual property, like the uh, dollar sign or uh, similar shapes or other symbols. Gotcha. And I think you're. Uh, I think you're 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 kosher. Uh, you, you're talking about money. I mean, I'm writing a book since I got ejected from Ron Paul Forums from being too anarchist. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, money is one of these things that I've been writing about, actually, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, currency seems to be where the where the definition of money gets obscured, because money, in its simplest form, is just that which extinguishes debt. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, because if you take something like the book of Revelations, where it talks about the world being consumed by fire, we can say that sin is dead or sin is fire, right? It puts a whole new perspective on things like this. Um, You know, but money is like water to fire. That's really all it is. And then uh, currency, uh, you know, currency, money is a concept of the mind. It's like property. Okay. It doesn't really have a physical manifestation. Okay, currency is the physical manifestation of money. Currency is the actual, you know, current currency. Currency that can extinguish debt is money. Uh, currency that cannot extinguish debt is a debt instrument. Um. So That's interesting, we, we, and since we, the, the Federal Reserve note is in fact a an instrument of debt, meaning that the United States government takes out treasury bonds, and um, when they do that, they, they, they borrow the money, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, <clears throat> makes a consummate amount, uh, 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 you know, a, con- a commensurate amount of Federal Reserve notes to fulfill that loan that essentially the, the government has asked for. So these are really debt notes. Well, it's, it's it's a debt instrument. I mean, it, it, I mean, it starts with your paycheck. You get a paycheck, a, a check. I mean, if you look up the definitions of a check, a check has three parties. It has certain other legal distinctions. <clears throat> a check is an order to pay. So uh, you go to the, the bank that it's drawn on. It's been ordered to pay. And, you know, they pay you in legal tender, which is a Federal Reserve promissory note. And then you look up the definition of a promissory note. And, you know, a promissory note has two parties. And it has other you know, certain properties that makes a promissory note a promissory note. Uh, The the common theme here is that there's an obligation to uh, fulfill, like legal tender. Uh, Legal tender is just an obligation uh, to pay an immediate exchange that can be, like, fulfilled or redeemed. Okay. So, you know, the magic of the Federal Reserve is obviously the Federal Reserve Act, says the obligation to fulfill is not with the Federal Reserve System. It's with the Secretary of the Treasury. So what's the solution the here? Obligation. We're, what's, come, that? what's the solution, Sean? Oh, well, Ron Paul has to, I mean, you, you already hit it, and Ron Paul it talks about it. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the first step is to allow competing currencies and repeal legal tender laws. Great. Well, thanks for the well, call. I appreciate it. Sounds good. The, <laughs> Okay, you have a good evening. Okay, thanks a lot. Sounds good.
You know, it, I, you know, I, I, that's that's all I can come up with at this point is, um, you know, the, the the federal government does so much bad stuff. Many people will say being involved in politics is immoral because you're involved in an organization that uh, does immoral things. And I'll admit that people are fallible. And to cast a vote for a fallible individual certainly is wrought with consequences. But when you have, you know, the option of voting for one far less soiled uh, politician over the ones that don't even seem sorry about being soiled, Mm. uh, you know, for me, that uh, it's it's the best I can do is to try to protect as many people as I possibly can. Mm. Free Talk Live. I can truthfully say that VerbalSurgery.com, best daggum podcast I've ever learned to change my neurology right now. Feeling good, feeling better about myself right now. VerbalSurgery.com gets inside of my brain, massages those sweet old brain lobes inside of my head. Feeling better right now. Even now I feel better and I want to go and listen to some VerbalSurgery.com right now. Go do it, baby. Feeling good. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free line. You can give us a call. Talk about anything you want to talk about. We've been all over the board this evening. Please take a moment to go to amp.freetalklive.com. The AMP program is a, a program that we have uh, put together in order to give listeners things that they want, like well, uh, a commercial-free podcast, a um, a forum with which they can talk to other amplifiers, an amplifier toll-free line where they can call in and to the show and uh, on a special phone line. Go go find out about it uh, at amp.freetalklive.com. All we ask for is uh, $3 a month. We use it to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. We, it doesn't go to paychecks or anything like that. It's the AMP program, amp.freetalklive.com, and it's particularly useful right now when Free Talk Live, well, our main co-host is... Our main host is in jail and could be there for a while, and we've got to pay for the things that he does during the day when we're not on the air. It's amp.freetalklive.com. So if you're frustrated with the lack of freedom where you are and you're feeling really inspired by the things you're hearing on this show and by activism, like the kind of stuff that Ian is doing right now and uh, the other stuff that you've heard us talking about on the show, then it's time to move to New Hampshire. Uh, Mark and Ian and I and a number of the other people, you, most of the other co-hosts you hear on the show, all moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. We're all moving to one place to focus our efforts. Uh, go to freestateproject.org to find out more. It's a, it's a great project and seems to be seems to be working quite well. Uh, you know, let's here's I've got an article here that uh, has been kind of uh, piqued my curi- curiosity today. It's from WashingtonPost.com. Army suicide set record in July. Now, I know that not every reason that any uh, uh, person in the military would commit suicide is because of the United States foreign policy. But I, I would have to think that it would have some level of effect. You know, there's here's people that uh, feel like it's, it's impossible for them to uh, leave their job. They don't like their job for some reason. And that might cause somebody to commit suicide. 
the US that, that's got to be a big part of it. It seems that, like it's, I mean, some, talk about feeling part. trapped. I mean, if you t- if you talked about if you talk to someone who's considering suicide, that you're, you're going to hear a lot about feelings of being trapped, of, of having no, no options. You know, the uh, you know basically they you know people could leave the military if they felt like it, but they often don't know what their options are, and they certainly aren't told their options by the government. Um, the U.S. Army suffered a record. 32 suicides in July, the most since it began releasing the monthly figures. A higher number of death, deaths represents a setback for the Army, which has put a heavy focus on reducing suicides in the recent years. A number, uh, the number includes 22 active duty soldiers and 10 reservists. The pre- previous record was 31 from uh, June 2010. Army officials cautioned that investigations are underway in most of the deaths to confirm the exact cause. Every suicide represents a tragic loss, says General Peter Charanelli, the uh, vice chief of staff of the Army, and said in a written statement, while high, while a high number of potential suicides in July is discouraging, we are confident our efforts have been had a positive impact. Over the past several years, the Army has launched a major effort to institute a new training to improve soldiers' ability to bounce back from stress and setbacks in combat in their personal lives. It's hired hundreds of mental health and substance abuse counselors that has launched a push to convince soldiers that seeking help for mental health problems will not have a negative impact on their careers. The Army has an anti-suicide program. <laughs> I mean, who has this? It's sad, it's sad that they feel a need to do that i mean but that but, but that's but that's, that's it's the, the nature of their job right yeah. i mean like they, they, they you know they don't let people leave that want to leave you're going to receive all kinds of terrible bad marks for doing it i mean if they would just employ people in the way that other businesses employ people well, I mean, I think that's, these problems. This, that's reflective of the nature of the organization. And, and I think so many people have just taken that as a given. This, oh, well, yeah, of course it sucks to be in the military. That's why they have to make it so you can't leave. Right. And <laughs> but, this but, is uh, truly the think case. Think about that, you know. This is truly the case. They, they pretty much uh, – I understand why they have to have this uh, – the, the, why they feel they have to have this, this, this contract that doesn't allow people to leave, or at least they, they think that they can't leave. Uh, but – you know, they wouldn't let any other business do this. And it just kind of speaks to the nature of the business and how crappy the job is. People go yeah. into it because they don't feel like they have options and that'll provide them with an education and stuff like that. They don't realize how little they get paid. If you're in a crushing economy and you haven't been able to get a job and you're young and you don't have education and you don't have a skill set and, you know, it's you, you will feel like you don't have much choice. No doubt that uh, many many youngsters go in because they don't have they don't feel like they have much choice, and then once they get in there, uh, you know perhaps it's not all they 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 can't be all they wanted to be. Sure, is hyped up to be really exciting, and there's all these video games that show you getting to do exciting things and use really cool equipment and blow blow up bad guys who are very clearly evil. And uh, there's all kinds of hype around the military, and certainly the pr- the promotional ads that I've been seeing in front of movies and things like that. You go to a movie lately, have you noticed there's like music videos now? Yeah, they, they have like uh, bands singing while there's uh, military stuff happening on the screen, and it's there's an awful lot of hype around it. Well, what what job is closest to an action movie, right? I mean, aren't all almost a lot of those action movies are sort of military based in the, in the first place? So it makes it it's a perfectly good, sensible place for them to advertise. But you know, they they're they're selling a bill of goods, in in my opinion. The service has also tapped the National Institute of Mental Health to conduct a five year, fifty million dollar study 
and Statistical Analysis of Suicide in the Army, a $50 million study of numbers they already have. It takes that much money to, to uh, analyze numbers you already have? The, an effort that includes surveys, data mining, medical testing. I can tell them. I can tell them without $50 million. <laughs> right. I'll get, just for $1,000, I'll tell you, uh, make it so people can leave. Yeah, that would be that would be a first the first biggest step to uh, don't, don't with, dis- how about this don't don't destroy their uh, sense of compassion for other people so that they won't be reluctant to pull the trigger and kill other people. Yeah, um, there's some, there's some basic destruction of humanity. All I can in remember that, is this Iraqi war vet uh, talking about his commanding officer offering to his little company or whatever a week's furlough or something like that when they got back to the states for the first person who got a bayonet kill in Iraq. Wow. Now, That's try to imagine the point of a bayonet kill in 2005. What's the point of that? To turn and, you into an animal. That's exactly what the purpose is. To inspire your sense of aggressive animal behavior. Yeah. I mean, it's sick. It's absolute sickness. Offering a week's furlough to somebody. I mean, it might have been a free week or weekend or something like that. I may have that fact wrong. To somebody for a bayonet kill? Ugh. It's disgusting. This general here, meanwhile, has devoted hundreds of hours to studying the suicide problem. It's possible links to post-traumatic stress disorder. Gee, I wonder. (laughs) It's just comical to me because everyone, you know, any common sense person knows. You know, other than a really young person who's seen nothing but video games and right. and music videos, they think that about they the have military. the soul of a killer. You know, and yeah. and I th- I think that young people can they can act in more sociopathic ways than than people as they get older. But it's certainly they're by no means uh, the only ones who can do it. So far, efforts have not resulted in a significant change in the suicide rate in the army over the first seven months of uh, 2011. 160 active duty reserve soldiers have committed suicide, which is about on par with the number of troops taking their own lives during the same months in 2009-2010. There are more deaths from suicide in the, in the Army than there are from uh, on-battlefield casualties. It's sick. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, much more. Many of the, you know, all the name brands, uh, they've, they've got, uh, you know, they've got the big name brands. They've got some, some uh, bargain basement prices. Manventureoutpost.com. They're family owned and operated. Uh, they're, they're members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low, they can't even be mentioned on the air. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. 
good folks over there at manventureoutpost.com. Dale, you had an article you wanted to share. Just wanted uh, you to pull it up here. We've uh, covered yeah. the Army suicide situation. Yeah, I thought this is interesting. You know, earlier in the show we were talking about activism and civil disobedience and things like that. And uh, in in Keene before we've we've taught we've dealt with activism about having cameras in public places and such. And this struck me as a as being as striking the core of freedom because it's getting into like freedom of speech and freedom to assemble. In San Francisco, the they had a cell phone shutdown. I, f- I guess I found out you can cut you can cut off the reception inside the BART stations. So these BART um, are uh, what uh, subways. Yeah, this, it's the uh, rapid transit in San Francisco. I Are forget. You, the, did you live in San Francisco? No, you lived in L.A. L.A. Okay, yeah, so you so. didn't live in California, but uh, I've been up to San Francisco a few times. But so are these underground? Uh, I believe so, okay. and I guess they retransmit cell phone That's signals. That's probably so that you have what I'm guessing is that they have their own little cell phone transmission things that are inside. Because once you get. You know, you can't even get good cell phone reception inside of a, a metal building, let alone put, uh, you know, three feet of earth between you and it. Um, then you're not getting anything. Right. Uh, this is on Breit, Breitbart. It's, it's, uh, it says safety issue or hint of Orwell. And it says an illegal Orwellian violation of free speech rights or just a small ta- smart tactic to prevent to protect train passengers from rowdy would be demonstrators during a busy evening commute. So the question resonated Saturday in San Francisco and beyond as details emerged of Bay Area rapid transit officials' decision to cut off underground cell phone service for a few hours at several stations Thursday. Commuters at stations from downtown to near the city's main airport were affected as BART officials sought to tactically thwart a planned protest over the recent fatal shooting of a 45-year-old man by transit police. There seemed to be a lot of protests and and angry reactions yep. to police violence lately. And I'm sure a lot of this has to do with the fact that we're seeing it more now. I would a lot of it's being caught on camera. Right. And 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 it it seems like police departments around the nation want to do the do whatever they can to keep people from uh videotaping them. Um you know, it's it to me it's an amazing thing, but it's it's happening more and more and more. People are being charged with videotaping law enforcement. They'll use wiretapping laws and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's because there's so many videos that are coming out of cops doing things that are shocking and horrifying. There was a video uh, from Greenfield, uh, Massachusetts, where uh, some woman you know, takes a video of a uh, cop that that beats a man to blind, actually bl- partially blind in one eye with uh, his uh, telephone or not his telephone, I'm sorry, his uh, flashlight. And as a result, uh, you know, the other there's there's three other cops that are standing around. They put this video goes up. These cops just stood around, which says to me that these guys, I mean, did this cop that beat this guy up get lucky and just happen to be uh, with the uh, the three other cops that wouldn't say anything and are bigots, too? Is that what is, is that what happened? Or is this a culture of violence? Is this a culture of, uh, you know, just, you know, sort of believing that you can do whatever you want and get away with it? Because that's what I think. Yeah, I think so too. It's just it's so I, even the stuff that is getting caught on camera. There's so much of it, and you have to wonder. They're not doing it all the time. They they could possibly only be doing it in places where they're being caught on camera. I mean, right. I would think it seems <laughs> so like these violent cops are giving the other five or ten percent a bad uh, the you right. know the, the the five or ten percent of the good cops a bad name. Yeah. The the, the 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 it's like there 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 are a few a uh, few bad apples giving the other five percent a bad name right. exactly. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I think Adam Koresh said that, right? Something, something uh, like that. Uh, so, Kokesh. <laughs> But uh, Kokesh, thank you. I'm not sure who get, gets credit for it, but I have heard uh, heard it said around. That's the last I heard it said. So, so for now, that's the best credit I can. I don't give. believe in intellectual property. One of the board members apparently was shocked by yes. it. So, uh, as she said, I'm shocked that they didn't think about the implications of this. We really don't have the right to be this type of censor. This is Lynette Sweet. She serves on Bart's board of directors. In my opinion, we've let the actions of a few people affect everybody, and that's not fair. She's right about that. Well, wow, she's like fair. she's actually rejecting collectivism. That's <laughs> that's very that's pretty good. You know, that's a, a rare thing. It's so, surprising. Similar questions of censorship have arisen in recent days as Britain's government put the idea of curbing social media services on the table in response to several nights of widespread looting and violence in London and other English cities. Yeah, this is happening too. You and guys talked about this on the show. I remember. Right, and it seems like there's unrest going on around the globe. Uh, you know, obviously there's the Arab Spring. Going on, uh, the United States has been on the right side and the wrong side of this issue, and it depends on the country and how much they happen to like that particular leader. I don't know whether it's payoffs or what it is that they're they're getting, but um, you know, it's it's in London. It's going on in London now. It's 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 gone to the the English speaking world. Um, you know, it, I think. Th- I don't know. It seems like people are upset. It seems like they know yeah. that they're not being served. I don't think that uh, this is a principled libertarian uprising by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I think that I, I think that people are upset with their 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 rulers. I, you know, they talk about in here that it was almost they say it's almost like an afterthought, and that's what's scary about it is that it's so trivial and casual. Like it's done so casually. Like, well, we should just we're just going to make this decision that's going to affect all these people. And uh, that we we can just do that because you know we can and 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 then there are safety issues involved with it of course you know people do use cell phones for emergencies yeah, and things like true. that but mostly it's a, the censorship issue of is what disturbs me the most but you're right I mean as far as the unrest the sense of unrest that's growing there is uh, I've I read a good article that I don't have right at my fingertips fingertips right now though that said that the riots will be here in in America and that they'll be worse for a lot of reasons. Uh, I wonder, you know, I mean, is it going to be austerity measures? Because it doesn't seem like the, the government hasn't been willing to implement any kind of austerity measures except against uh, its own employees when it was, you know, dipping into their pension funds in order to uh, pay off, mm. you know, to to to, to push the, to, to kick the debt can well, down d- the road. Do you not feel that that, that we're just about to the limit of uh, of 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 pushing back disaster? It seems uh, it, like it, it seems like we're getting, we, you know, it's. It's getting harder and harder to keep pushing it back because the measures they keep taking, you know, it kind of it might inspire the market a little bit for a little while. It's mm-hmm. a very it's very temporary stopgap measures that in the long run make everything worse without a doubt. Yep. And so it just it seems like we're going to get to the end of our rope. It's at some point it very seems soon like here. You know, there's an election coming up and, uh, you know, I mean, voting Democrat or voting Republican isn't going to fix it. So I think no. that people might be very, very outraged, um, you know, maybe before, maybe after. I don't know. I think a lot of people expected Obama to go in there and change things. Give, they had hope that he would <laughs> change something. And he certainly did do some changing. But largely it's business as usual in washington dc yeah, yeah you know they implemented some uh you know social welfare programs in the form of uh you know taking care of people from a, a medical standpoint or whatever is the claim but it it's just costs more money it's just a, it's just another essentially unfunded mandate and, and it's going to have there's to come a out recent of big challenge pockets yeah there's a recent challenge a court challenge to uh, there's an appeals court right that yeah, just the appeals said that court ruled you can't you, you can't, can't make it. people 
get so health it has insurance. to go to the, the Supreme Court, and it should be very interesting to see how the Supreme Court rules on this. I think it's a conservative Supreme Court right now mm. by one vote, and so it would be very interesting. Can the federal government mandate, mandate <laughs> that people pay for health insurance? And if if so – what does that um, you know? What's that mean for the economy? Because it's going to destroy the economy. Because uh, you know, it, this is it, it. It's terrible for the economy. If not, what's that mean for people that want this so badly? Because the rest of the industrialized world has this. What are they going to yeah. do? It's it's yeah. really bizarre stuff. Eight five five four five zero free. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Dale. Uh, Dale, you have a, your own radio show. Um, tell us about it real quick. Prometheus Unchained. We talk about liberty issues uh, liberty issues and LGBT issues from a liberty perspective. That's flamingfreedom.com. Also, um, who favors more freedom, liberals or conservatives? Go to learnliberty.org slash FTL. Watch the video. It's a second from the bottom there. It's a, it's a great video. All these videos are good ways to educate yourself on the ideas of liberty and you know your friends, maybe on Facebook, share these videos. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. Let's go to Eric in Michigan. Eric. Hey, guys. What's up? You mentioned, uh, per- you mentioned partisan politics. Before that, you mentioned the uh the suicide study in the military. Yes. Uh, I think if there was ever a a monumentally uh, amazing reason to bring all the troops home, uh, it would be that. I mean... What's the reason? The suicides? The suicides, yeah. I agree with you. All the suicides, I mean, that's, you know, a tongue-in-cheek joke because we all know these are... uh, you know, manufactured, fraudulent, uh, as they say, kinetic humanitarian police or peace actions. I'm sorry, peace actions. <laughs> but they're all fraud. They're all manufactured. They're all based on <clears throat> false flag operations. And uh, uh, many of the what do you mean uh, false flag operations? Policy. I mean, uh, you know, the 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 Iraq War wasn't. I guess. I guess you know they they claimed. That, they tried to tie it to nine eleven. That, that uh, which was really flimsy to begin mass with. Destruction. I mean, was that really a false flag? It's not like the Bush administration attempted to show a Scud missile with a uh, with nuclear waste in it or something. Well, I think he's just giving an example. Let, oh, sorry. Let him. Let me <laughs> go ahead. Eric. Yeah. Okay. I want to do that. Uh, <clears throat> Judy Wood. Have you heard her name? No. Okay. She's a Ph.D. physicist uh, at Clemson, the author of Where Did the Twin Towers Go? Uh, before I ever knew about her, 
was uh, this guy, uh, uh, Stan Monteith at Radio Liberty, who had interviewed a whole uh, array of investigative journalists and people from the inside, as it were, uh, whistleblowers. And uh, 1,100 bodies were vaporized at Ground Zero. And according to Judy Wood, I forget the percentage. It was a huge, like 80, maybe 90% of the structural material of the Twin Towers is just vaporized. It's just gone. Eric, when will 9-11, the occurrences on 9-11, not matter anymore? Well, uh, when they use that, as Paul Wolfowitz, did you guys ever hear of the New American Century, PNAG people for the New American Century? I've heard the term. They probably still have a website, newamericancentury.org. Yeah, I've heard of this, yeah. Okay, well, I I saw this right after, well, it was like spring of 02. I still had satellite TV there. Eric, when when will, um, I I guess I have this other question for you. Are you better than people in the Middle East? Are we better than people in the Middle East? Are you, you, better than people in the Middle East? Okay, are you? Would you be willing to fight against people that occupied your land um, and were were you know randomly slaughtering and subjugating your people? Right, I agree with you absolutely. So, isn't it possible doing. that people actually did hijack air that uh, Arab type people actually did hijack airplanes on nine eleven and fly, fly them in rather than and, you know they, a a, a months and months long operation where uh, thousands of operatives in the United States government or shadowy organizations that surrounded planted thermite beneath the uh, structures of the of what at least three uh, of the uh, bar- largest buildings in America. Uh, well, history has a, a nasty habit of repeating itself. False flag operations go way back. So yes, do that's true. so do that's revolutions true. against overlords. Well, it's, here, let me let me just. Eric, I don't have time for it. I've got a bunch of people. Yeah, Thank it, you for the call. I, mostly, I just it just bores me to tears anymore. They're hearing that over and over again, and and and, I, and no one's getting news getting recruited at this point. Let no one's go. getting recruited by I mean, this anymore. Okay, it's, so the JFK thing was a uh, was was a, a conspiracy. Fine. What difference does it make in our life? You know, it's forty yeah. years ago. Let it go. Yeah. Justin in West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to apologize for calling in drunk the other night and comparing Ian to Winston Churchill. Was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I now I gotta hear that. <laughs> all right. Go on. No apologies. And, uh, just secondly, move forward. <laughs> uh, I'd like to apologize to my eleventh grade AP lit teacher for bringing him into the conversation and lying about a uh, page I wrote on Thoreau. It was actually a, a ten-page paper on how transcendentalism, uh, you know, made him into the. Uh, American literature icon he is today, but the reason I called was to ask you guys what you thought about the uh, Republican hacks running running against Barack Obama Obama this year. I'm sorry, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. The only the only Republican that I should drink a little get behind. There's only two Republicans I can get behind. uh, That would be Gary Johnson or Ron Paul. Um, You know, I mean, the rest of them, I I, I can't even see. I, I can't even see going to the polls for. Well, see, I love Ron Paul as a libertarian, but I don't think he's very electable. The, he just run the one uh, base. You know, he just tied more or less the Ames straw poll with Michelle Bachman. You don't think that puts gives him some kind of credibility? Well, we're running against a uh, cutthroat administration here. 
I mean, they're going to use. I think it's less about the administration than the Republican. <laughs> the administration machine. has failed for four years. Well, probably th- any Republican's going to win against him. Well, yeah, it's. I think if if Ron Paul were able to actually get the nomination, he, he might have a decent chance. But I, I I wonder if that's the that's the I think is the hurdle. Yeah, it's is the it nomination. I mean, there's a machine the, in place. It's the nomination. The Republican not the, Party <laughs> is not uh, that much to do with the voters that are Republican. There's a machine in place, the political machine that picks these people and. I don't know. It just seems it still seems extremely unlikely to me. But I, I, I don't. I'm not the type to try and make these sort of political predictions. So, well, the only thing I'm worried about, the only hurdle he has, in my view, is uh, not the independents, but is the paranoid Republican voters that are worried about foreign relations and the way he's talked about Iran in the, his the debates. I think he's got a bigger problem if he actually does get the um, um, does get the nomination. He's got a bigger problem with quotes from uh, 20 years ago. Justin, thanks for the call. Let's take John in Iowa. John. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm almost in Nebraska. OK. By 80. And uh, I want to talk about the monetary system and the money and how the caller talking earlier was totally quick. Wrong. Quick. OK. But I'll be quick. But I'll have but I have to answer quickly your question about what does it matter about 9-11 and Kennedy and all these other things. There's no statute of limitations on murder or the truth. And when the truth has finally come out, that's when it can end. The hasn't the truth come out about JFK, though? Absolutely not. It hasn't come out about JFK? Because, I mean, Absolutely it didn't. Wasn't, Jacqueline, not. wasn't Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy just quoted recently as believing that Lyndon Johnson was involved? I mean, no one seems to care. I, I know that, that, that but, nobody seems to care, but but I do want to talk about the. But monetary. that's an issue, right? That nobody cares. That's a big issue. Oh, it's an it's, it's, it's apathy of the American people. I mean, believe me, a lot of people do care. I mean, I, I care, and I know a lot of people that do care. I think the ones that care, though, have already been reached. That's why it doesn't matter anymore. It's like the, the yeah, and the same with nine eleven. The ones who care have been recruited. They're they're excited. Or they're not excited. Well, they're really active about it, and then I really that's want it. To talk about the money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, because. As the one caller said, he, he's totally wrong. Money is uh, the main purpose of money is a unit of exchange, not extinguishing a debt. Okay. Okay. If the, if, if the debt is involved, then it involves extinguishing. But the main reason for money is, is a uh, ex- exchange. Okay. So the, in a barter system, exchange your labor, exchange commodities, anything like that. I totally believe we should have competing currencies. But again, gold and silver and all these other things are commodities. Be able to trade whatever you want to trade. But if you are, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie called The Secret of Oz by Bill Still. I think I've heard the name. Have you heard it? I think so. Um, uh, uh, if, if you watch this movie, it's a very good movie. It's based on Frank Albaum's book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Not the movie, but the book, which was, of course, before the movie. Mo- the book was they, very revolved all around silver. Yeah, they, they, exactly. It was all about railing against the monetary system. But the main point is this. And when people today, they rail about um, uh, fiat money. Fiat money is just money by decree, and there's nothing wrong with fiat money. The problem we have is we have a debt-based money, which we don't even have money. If we actually paid off the debt, we'd have no money. People can't well, wrap their head around that. And no competition I'm going dis- to disagree with you about there's I, no problem I'm, with fiat currency. I'm going to have to let John go, and I'm not going to let you talk either. We're going to take Captain Ned. <laughs> Captain Ned in Florida. Hey, guys. Good show, Mark and Dale. you got a minute. Hey, uh, that Eric, he was absolutely right that uh, Dr. Judy Wood, the book she wrote about, it very much explains 9-11. Those buildings did. I mean, they were vaporized. That, that There's no material there left. Now, see, you should let very, me talk more. Very interesting. Well, the guy who decides what that... Go right ahead. <laughs> okay. 
the scientist who came up with that, he was on the other side of uh, Thomas Edison. This guy came up with alternating current. I can't think of his name. Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, Tesla. Okay, Tesla. She maintains that it was Tesla technology that was used on those towers. Vehicles were cut in half. Razor, laser guns. Captain Ned, thanks for the call. (laughs) This is Free Talk Live. It's been Mark with you and And Dale. Dale. Thank you. 